Welcome to Hope Renewed, the podcast of PIR Ministries. Thanks for connecting to Hope Renewed, the in-depth podcast about pastoral renewal and restoration. I'm Tom Jameson, and along with co-host Sean Nemechek, we explore the issues and challenges pastors face and help cultivate a renewed hope for healthy ministry lives. Well, we have a unique opportunity today on Hope Renewed that uh, we don't often get. We are in the midst of uh, annual staff meeting, which means that this is the one time a year that everyone gathers together. And uh, Sean, why don't you just share what we're planning to do today? Our goal today is to introduce our listeners to the PIR staff, or at least some of them. We have uh, both staff and uh, one board member here with us, and it's just going to be a delight to uh, share them with you and let you get to know them just a little bit more. All right, and we are sitting in a circle, so we are going to go around the circle and just have everybody uh, introduce themselves. And Dan, we're going to start with you. Hi, my name is Dan Borg. I'm from Thousand Oaks, California, and I'm the West Regional Director of PIR Ministries. I've been a pastor for about 40 years, and it's just a delight to be part of the team. My name is Tim Johnson, and I'm Director of Pastoral Care for the Central Region of the Missionary Church. live in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I'm happy to serve on the Board of Directors for PIR. My name is Robin Schmidt, and I live in Redford, Michigan. I am the Administrative Assistant to PIR. I've been with the organization for a couple of years now, and I'm enjoying working with these guys. And I'm Roy Yankee. Uh, I'm the executive director for PIR Ministries. I live in Berkeley, Michigan. Uh, and uh, this has been a delight and a joy uh, to be a part of this ministry for the last eight years, and especially now with all these excellent staff members. Hi, my name is Jason Eddy. I've served with PIR for six years. I've also served as a pastor in a local church uh, for about 20 years, and I'm so thankful to be a part of this team and uh, the opportunity to come alongside pastors and their families. So the first question I'm just going to throw out here uh, to go around the circle, not in any specific order, although, Roy, we're going to start with you. What's the motivation to work with a ministry like PIR? Well, personally, the motivation for me comes out of my own experience and the fact that um, my, my story, my journey, included a, uh, a self-exit <clears throat> out of ministry, and many pastors do that uh, for a variety of reasons. And uh, when uh, the Lord opened the door for me to become a part of this ministry, it was pretty clear that it lined up, the mission of what PIR is all about lined up with my own story and gave me an opportunity to, to share what God had done in my life and the grace he had poured into me uh, with those who were in similar situations. So that's really what motivates me. That, that's the sense I have of why I'm a part of this. That's powerful. Jason, what's your motivation in working uh, here with PIR? Well, part of it is my own story as a pastor, which maybe I'll talk about later, but uh, coming into PIR, uh, I grew up in a Christian home and in the church, and even going back to my elementary school days, uh, I think every decade of my life I've lost a pastor that I loved and respected and watched them go through the pain of transition. Uh, we've seen the pain that a pastor's spouse and their children experience uh, as part of the family's called to ministry, and so my wife and I just really have a, a concern for the well-being of church leaders and a passion to come alongside pastors and their families uh, when they're going through challenges. That's neat. Now, Robin, you, you bring a unique perspective 
um, in the way that you serve with PIR and also uh, as a woman. Uh, what motivates you to be involved in this ministry? Well, what motivated me was um, in the 38 years that Larry and I, my husband, have been married, we have been privileged to be friends with 12 people who have served as pastors. But among those 12, seven have experienced forced terminations. And so our heart has been involved and broken with these close friends of ours. And so as I watched Roy working with pastors and residents and what the ministry was all about, um, when the ministry expanded enough to require the work of an administrative assistant, yeah, it seemed like a really good fit because my heart is with the people who serve the body of Christ. That's so neat to bring that perspective into it. And Tim, as a, as a board member and your work with pastors, you, you bring a very unique motivation, I think, into this. Yes, I, I work with uh, coaching and counseling and caring for pastors, and it was actually in the context of a situation where one of our pastors was exited that I actually learned about PIR and what it does. And, I, and even now, my heart just beats for those pastors who feel either dismissed, marginalized, or even invisible after they're exited. It's like they never had a ministry there, their community's gone, and it feels like they never made a difference. And I have a real heart for those, those people who are in that place. Mm. And we appreciate you bringing that perspective to the board in, in directing the ministry. And Dan, uh, at the heart of your motivation, what, what does that look like? I've been a pastor for a long time, and uh, I've learned that it's hard. Uh, even when it's going well, it's hard. It's often painful and often lonely. And if we can help pastors who are going through hard times, painful times, or lonely times, wow, it's, it's worth the effort. And I'm privileged to serve pastors in that way. And Sean, you and I don't get to talk about this a whole lot, but uh, what, what's kind of at the heart of your desire to serve? Well, I, I was a third-generation pastor, so I grew up seeing uh, how ministry was affecting both my grandfather and my father and our families. And uh, from the, even the time I was in seminary on, I've always had a heart for caring for pastors, especially those who have been deeply hurt by the church. And I guess in all fairness, I ought to share what my motivation is, and not just asking all the questions and putting you all on the spot. But it really does come from a similar place with so many of you. Uh, my time in pastoral ministry really um, was impacted when uh, I was encouraged. And now to be in a place where I can offer encouragement to pastors, uh, not only in specific struggles, but just generally as they are navigating what it means to be a pastor in the 21st century uh, and to provide that uh, coming alongside and encouraging role, just that, that really makes my heart sing and it excites me to, to be involved in that. So Jason, you, you mentioned uh, something of your story and, and I think it, it would be really neat as we go around the circle to, to capture some of these things. Just um, if you'd briefly describe uh, some of your experience or some of your story and, and how you bring that to the work of PIR and, and how you see that uh, as a help to pastors. Sure. Uh, a lot of my experience uh, that creates the concern for this ministry is that I'm a pastor and I've been through a couple of painful transitions. Uh, they weren't planned. 
Uh, they were things that I wish hadn't happened, but but they did. And so my wife and I found ourselves kind of in a wilderness experience, trying to figure out uh, what was next. And uh, the most beautiful part of that is many times in my life, it's like the footprints in the sand poem, uh, where you're going through a really difficult time and you can only see one set of footprints. And then you realize the Lord was carrying you through that. And so I, I think in my relationship with pastors, sometimes it's just sitting with them uh, and and communicating to them that God cares about them and that he has a plan for this, even though we can't see it. And uh, even though it seems so sometimes sudden, sometimes tragic, uh, sometimes it's uh, the death of a vision. And uh, to sit with some friends that just care and uh, we'll just wait on the Lord together. And then if you look back over the decades, then I can see the, the hand of God leading me each step of the way. And there's been a purpose in all of it. But uh, boy, in those early stages of that transition, it is uh, really dark and scary. And I'm so thankful that God has brought me through each time. Mm. That's neat. Roy, I see you resonating with that. Yeah, so just to be able to sit across the table with a cup of coffee with a pastor or, or a family and uh, them kn knowing that they feel, because I felt this way, that God was done with me, that that was, that was it, you know, and be able to say to them, don't know how long it's going to take, don't know what that path is going to look like, but for sure we can say with, with absolute certainty, God is not done with you yet. Well, let's see what the next shape of the calling looks like for you. Dan, I know you bring a, a specific perspective, a passion that God's kind of developed in your heart. Uh, how do you see that coming to bear in the work of PIR? Well, I've been a pastor for 40 years, and I was an associate pastor, a church planter, a solo pastor, and a senior pastor. So I've seen the, the role of a pastor from, from a lot of different seats. Uh, um, my area of focus is that of conflict management. Uh, my doctor of ministry focused on that wrote a book on conflict, and I've uh, taught several times in various settings, both in the United States and, and abroad, on uh, how to resolve conflict in church. And I believe it's a major issue, and uh, if we get it wrong, it really hurts the ministry of the church, and if we get it right, God is glorified and the church grows. I want us to get it right. Mm -hmm. and, and let me follow up on that. So as, as you work with pastors who uh, are facing conflict. What do you find brings them hope in the midst of uh, conflict? Because every pastor faces conflict and, and needs that hope. What are you seeing with that? Well, conflict is inevitable. The hope comes in uh, because conflict can be managed well and, and resolution can take place in ways that are mutually agreeable to the parties involved. It doesn't often happen. Oftentimes it goes, it goes bad. But uh, when conflict is managed well, uh, there can be peace. And uh, my goal is to help pastors and churches manage conflict well. I, I think that honors God, and I know it uh, strengthens the church. Mm. Yeah. Sean, I want to I grab you on this question of uh, your experience matching the kind of hope and help that you bring to pastors. In my experience uh, as a pastor, I went through three major phases of burnout. And uh, in recovering from burnout, in, in doing the hard work to, uh, to not just work through the pain, but to be transformed by it, I found that God has given me a, a real voice to help pastors who are in a similar situation. So uh, just as Dan is the, the guru on conflict, I'm, I'm the one who's, who's working really hard to help pastors survive 
burn out and learn to care for their souls again. So uh, I, I really kind of like to get to the meat of our conversation here of where have you seen some success stories? Where have you seen God really uh, utilizing the work of, of PIR to bring hope to pastors, um, to bring renewal, restoration uh, in their lives? Roy, what's your thought on that? Well, I guess at this point, being the senior member of the, of the team, having been here the longest, um, having joined this ministry and, and diving right into what the core of what we uh, have done in our mission is to, to create uh, a pathway for pastors who have been exited forced terminations or self-terminations to find healing and hope again, and then a re-entry into ministry life if, if that's what the Lord has in mind. And I can just think of all of the pastor-in-residence programs that, that I've seen and experienced and been a part of over the last eight years, and it's just astounding to see how God has restored people to himself, which is the first thing, and, and their families uh, to bring unity and hope there, and uh, then to the church. Um, so even if a, a vocational call isn't immediate, that at least they find their place back into a body and they can, they can serve meaningfully and, and with their gifts and abilities. And then certainly the, the icing on the cake for us is that step back into a vocational role. And often it doesn't look the same way as it did before. But certainly uh, to see God working again and, and that being restored, um, it, it's been amazing. Uh, I can't off the top of my head recount the number of pastor residence programs that I've been a part of in the last eight years. But I know uh, that there are pastors who have been restored to vocational ministry uh, because of what we've been able to do. And that's a delight. That's a joy. Dan, where, where have you seen that sense of success with PIR's work? Well, I want to talk about a couple of the things that we do to help pastors. We offer an assessment called the Pro-D, and uh, it measures mission, competencies, and, and styles. And it's just a joy to help pastors uh, understand themselves and how God wired them to better equip them to serve in ministry. And another um, avenue that, that has been uh, successful that I've really enjoyed is clergy coaching. Uh, we offer uh, uh, multiple different formats and, and sessions, but uh, we help pastors uh, where they most need the help. We are thinking partners with them, and we come alongside, and I know pastors have been blessed by that, and, and it's strengthened them and their ministries. Have you found that, that coaching has been a really effective way for you to interact with pastors and encourage them? Oh, absolutely. Uh, coaching is highly relational. We, uh, we enter into the life of the pastor and, and th their needs. Uh, we don't come in with an agenda. We, uh, we, we want to meet their agenda and help them think through whatever issues that, uh, that they have going on. Uh, it's always been an incredibly beneficial thing. And by the way, for me, thoroughly enjoyable. I've really enjoyed meeting pastors and uh, helping them work through struggles and through joys. Jason, I saw you kind of get Nancy there with a, a story of success. One of the things I would highlight is uh, PIR's uh, program where we help a, a pastor be placed in a refuge church. So I'll just quickly kind of go through what one of these stories looks like. In the first call, uh, we sat down uh, for a meal together. He's actually on the other side of the country, and uh, there's just a lot of tears. He had served in the ministry considerably longer than I have, I think almost 30 years, and was forced into exit because of conflict which was tremendously painful. 
uh, for he and his wife. And in the beginning stages, there's those tears of maybe God's done with me. Maybe my time is over. Uh, I have no idea what's next. I didn't see this coming. And as their relationship went, I think it was 11 months later uh, when they decided they wanted to start a PIR program in a refuge church. And this program is unique to every, every pastor, every couple, and helping them find a church in their area that's a good fit for them uh, denominationally or because of friendships or, or relatives in the church or another pastor that this uh, pastor would work well with. And so we go uh, into that, that church and help set up a support team for the pastor and his wife or his spouse. And uh, then they go through a guided conversation for six to 12 months, which is really an opportunity for them to have people uh, that care about them to hear their story. And PIR Ministries really believes that every pastor has enough resources. What they don't have is people that care and that listen, and it's a very healing thing to be able to tell your story. And so as this couple went through this journey, uh, on the other side of it, they are now applying uh, for ministry positions again, uh, which may not be a big deal to everybody, but when you've been through such a painful transition to be able to decide, I'm going to try to step out in the water again and pursue vocational ministry is a really big step for uh, many of us who have been through a painful transition. So this is a significant uh, step in, in their journey, and uh, we're praying that God will open a door for them. Yeah, that is awesome. I mean, that just reinforces this whole sense of hope. Uh, that the gospel provides, and, and just being able to enact that through through uh, a process like that um, is incredible. So, Robin, as as you've had the, the really, I think the really unique position uh, to to view what's going on, because you you do get more of the forty thousand foot seeing what's going on with each of us in in our different relationships and being able to interact um, with you. Um, where are you seeing the Lord really use PIR? It's a good question. Um, out of the relationships that I mentioned earlier, the friendships that Larry and I have had with people who have been pastors, we've seen um, people who have gone through three years of seminary training, be an associate pastor for two years, be exited, and now they're running a car auto parts department and a dealership. And you look at the um, gifts and the training and the calling that this person had and I believe that the whole point of this ministry was founded on what a waste of uh, kingdom resources you know we've here God has called this person and due to the brokenness of the church because we are all broken and sinful uh, we've so wounded a shepherd that they can't they can't do what they were called and formed to do um, so what is exciting is I do get to talk to the pastors who've been through the PIR program, and I ask them what their experience was. And to hear them talk about the place of pain that they started in and how that 6 to 12 months of being in a safe relationship with three other couples in a safe church and have their their wounds cared for, have their story heard, and be guided along in the truth of God's word to bring healing. Because to be perfectly honest, some of them have been like, yeah, I was a big part of the problem. And yet, God doesn't toss me out. He says, no, let's, let's work this through, because I've still got work for you to do. And to hear them on the other side, after they've confessed that pain, maybe confessed their own failings, and said, but now 
I, I'm, I'm being launched again. I'm being relaunched and, and have an opportunity to serve the body of Christ. It's exciting. Uh, just to see that, that, again, the restoration of the hope of the gospel at work yeah. uh, in powerful ways. To Robin's point, uh, one of my passions is when, when the Lord says uh, that there are, there's a great harvest to be won, but the laborers are few. And I think in church leadership, we always feel a shortage of laborers. Uh, but Dr. Chuck Wickman, who founded PIR, said uh, a pasture is a terrible thing to waste. A good pasture is a terrible thing to waste. And so the thought that the laborers are already few, but then we have really spiritually gifted, uh, well-trained uh, harvesters that for a variety of reasons feel the need to step off the harvest field. Uh, it's a beautiful thing that our God of redemption is able to work in each story a little differently. Uh, so to be a part of seeing God uh, take someone who uh, came out of the game, you know, to get a Gatorade and, and a cold cup of water and then get back out on the harvest field is a really beautiful thing, which I think is uh, a, a great blessing for the Great Commission. And it, it really highlights that sense of partnership um, in our mission statement, that we partner with God and with the local church, that this isn't uh, something that we're trying to generate. It's, it's really in obedience and response to what God is already doing. Uh, and just joining him there and facilitating that process. Tim, I, I want to capture your perspective because I know you have a unique perspective, um, not serving on the team, but serving on the board. What is it about PIR that just really grabs your heart? Well, I love the fact that PIR is organized around a passion for exited pastors, which is what we've been saying. I, I think there's a lot of people out there who care about exited pastors, but I don't think I've ever come across a ministry um, like PIR that's actually organized around that passion. So that's remaining the focus. And um, so as we stay in our lane, I, I think we're going to realize more and more that this is a felt need for so many. And I think the issue is often that so many people may not know about PIR. So people like me who serve on the board, um, we have the responsibility and privilege of sharing the vision of this organization. Um, I, I'm just in the last couple weeks, I'm working with an exited pastor. And there's just so many um, factors to deal with when you're dealing uh, with an individual like that, but to let him know that there's an organi organization like this is huge. So I'm very excited that um, PIR exists and um, may its tribe increase. Well, I want to throw this question out here and, and really get uh, just some dialogue going about this. Sean, you really did a great job of framing this question. I love this question. So when you think of the current state of pastors, what keeps you up at night and what gives you hope? Dan? There's a lot that keeps me up at night. Um, churches are going through a, a time of chaos right now. They're, they're scrambling to get things online and to minister at distance. Uh, challenged with how to reopen the church and that's caused a lot of conflict in churches. Uh, financial struggles uh, are, are gonna uh, creep into the church and uh, my concern is that the church emerges with a sense of unity and hope and commitment. Uh, the things that keep me up are loss of momentum. Um, 
uh, uh, pastors losing positions, uh, people dropping out, uh, slipping away. Those things keep me up. But what gives me hope is the fact that God is good and this is his church and uh, he's strong and he's going to help. Also what gives me hope is the ministries of, of PIR. We have programs that work. We've got a staff that cares. We've got a track record of success. And I know we can make a difference in the challenges ahead. And there will be challenges ahead. But in those challenges, there's a lot of hope that uh, the church is going to come out just fine. And we're going to be part of it. Sean, you cast this uh, question to us. What, what's been on your heart with this? Well, what keeps me up at night when I think of the current state of pastors is that when a pastor is really struggling, uh, they, they quite often don't have anyone to talk to. In fact, they, they deal with so much shame, they tend to hide. And uh, what keeps me up at night is, is my desire to find those pastors who are in hiding. It's really hard work. Uh, what gives me hope is that we are making connections with so many pastors through the conferences that we attend, the workshops that we offer at various denominational functions and, and uh, church conferences, uh, through our coaching, through this podcast. Um, it's just been, been really great to make connections uh, and get to know some pastors and provide a safe place for them to come out of hiding, to share their pain, and to experience the healing that we know Christ offers uh, because he's brought it to us. Roy? Yeah, I want to just piggyback on that because um, there are so many pastors. Um, when they're exited, they go into hiding. Uh, when they're in ministry, they hide uh, for a variety of reasons because sometimes being uh, vulnerable and transparent and authentic can get you into trouble. Uh, knowing that there are pastors who have talked about uh, even uh, uh, mental health issues that they've had, and sharing that with church leadership gets them fired. Um, don't understand how that happens. That, that keeps me up at night, um, just the way we uh, fail to understand that pastors are human beings, that they are also disciples and brothers and sisters in the Lord, not just in that exalted vocational role that we've tended to create for them and uh, just being able to come alongside of them uh, and relationships uh, is so huge for me um, there's there's also a passion for me I, I, I do spend a few nights staying awake in terms of how younger pastors people entering entering into the ministry um, are being prepared for what all of us on this team, having been in pastoral ministry, have experienced. And it seems that sometimes that's lacking. And so being able to speak into that uh, is, is a joy and a delight, but also a concern for me because uh, so many pastors have the theological training. They have uh, some of the skills that they need to navigate organizationally, but some of the more pastoral skills, the soft skills, the relational skills, uh, and developing those well uh, that may tend to lack in their lives. And so uh, to be able to encourage them and, and do that uh, in a way that um, gets them stronger in the game, uh, that's, that's a joy for me. That, I see a lot of hope, too, among younger pastors uh, because I see them really leaning into that more and more. And so we really want to fan the flame on that. Well, I want to include my voice in this part of the conversation, too, because I, I've been thinking about that great question. And, you know, one of the things I've been pondering is, uh, and what keeps me up at night and concerns me, is um, 
the danger of losing a sense of relevancy uh, as the church in our culture, and, and especially as pastors, I think I've seen this uh, a number of times where, um, and, and in myself, where uh, there's a sense of feeling that, that my voice doesn't matter, my voice doesn't count, uh, the, the culture is just in hyperdrive and is going far beyond uh, anything that I could ever uh, impact or, or, or have uh, any importance in. Uh, and gosh, where I find hope is, is when I am talking through this with pastors as, as we begin to, to dig down deep into that, that sense of identity in Christ and, and never losing sight of that, that that's our first and our prime identifier of who we are, uh, as as a, a child of God in in Christ Jesus, uh, and how that always has been and always will be the fundamental relevance for the world, uh, that the hope of the gospel is going to be um, made known through a life transformed by uh, Jesus Christ, and uh, just continuing to hit that flywheel and call us back to. We, we, you know, it's not the glitz, it's not the savvy, it's not the, you know, the looks, it's, it's who we are in Christ, uh, fundamentally. All right, I saw Robin first and then Jason. Yeah, I really resonate with that, Tom, because what keeps me up at night is the fact that um, we've been called, we've been invited to follow Jesus, we've been reconciled to God, and then some have been put in a place of responsibility to shepherd others in that. And that that shepherding and that responsibility would damage their primary identity and relationship in Christ mm -hmm. is a great grief. Mm -hmm. But where's the hope? The hope is Jesus. Amen. The hope is God. He's not going to leave it there. And so while Dr. Wickman birthed this ministry, it was God who said, you know what I need? I need some people to come alongside these wounded shepherds and we're gonna do this, and Chuck, you're gonna start it, and I got people down the road that are gonna join you, and we're gonna heal. And so, yeah, there's huge hope in that. Jason? My concern for the body of Christ is how easy it is to be angry at your pastor right now. Uh, this pandemic has forced changes within the body of Christ uh, that are hard for all of us, and it's continual change right now. And when we see, uh, the lessening of our in-person ministries and going more virtual that further uh, creates a misperception about my pastor which further isolates uh, the leader from the body uh, i'll give you a few examples you know you maybe you've heard the this saying that my pastor only works one day a week uh, and that was when we had in-person ministries going on so when you take that away the perception of what the pastor is doing uh, can easily be a false assumption and what pastors many pastors are working harder now than ever before because they're having to start from scratch over and over and over again in our local contacts many pastors are spending their day off trying to get their sermon uh, uploaded uh, to do it online which is a new thing for many many churches um, another way this happens uh, is because uh, there's so much disagreement about how the church should move forward. And so a pastor can have a meeting with, with someone who is of this opinion, and they can say goodbye, and then he can move on to the next person, and it's a completely opposite, opposite opinion. Uh, for example, uh, in our uh, local context, Wisconsin, 
we are uh, wearing masks uh, as churches are beginning to have in-person gatherings again. Uh, but I've heard of a pastor who had someone leave their church because their pastor wasn't willing to go to jail to keep the ch church open. Uh, and then on the other hand, uh, church leaders who are threatening to call the health department because the church isn't responding the way that we want them to. And this is, uh, this is tough for pastors and church leaders to navigate. And I don't think it's unique to where I am in Wisconsin. I think uh, this is uh, churches everywhere trying to navigate how do we get through this pandemic together. So I have concern for the unity of the body of the Christ and uh, our pastors trying to navigate this. What gives me great hope is that Jesus is still building his church. And when you look historically through the church experiencing adversities and difficulties, the church always grows. And so as pastors, as we're being creative and trying to figure out how to do this, some of the positive things we're seeing is while our normal ministries and programs might not be working, uh, we're starting to do new things that are connecting people with the body of Christ who have not been connected before. And so the potential there is, is our churches may not look the same next year uh, as they do this year, but God is still at work and uh, he's still uh, making disciples and he's still raising up men and women who care about seeing the gospel go forward. Tim? Yeah, and I'd like to piggyback on what J Jason just said. Uh, I think the role of PIR, and it just gives me even more hope, especially in this season, is that uh, basically we are advocating for exited pastors, but because we're living in alarmingly adversarial environment, advocacy is in such sharp contrast, more than ever. I mean, if you've been exited from a church, it feels painful and it feels like everyone else has been adversarial, but when you have that at so many levels of society in the world, um, the role of our advocacy is not just because we want to come alongside, hey, how are you doing? It's not just sympathy. It's just like actually entering into that pain with you, being uh, full of empathy. Um, people are crying out for that. Pastors, pastors, even not exited pastors, but especially exited pastors are crying out for that kind of advocacy that comes from the gospel, that comes from the heart of Christ. So what a wonderful opportunity we have. Roy? I think, Tim, that's a really important point. And, um, and it, it kind of moves into the other, we've been talking a lot about exited pastors, which is really the core of our ministry and the, and the foundation that, that Chuck started uh, this ministry about. But we've also embraced more of the preventive side. And that advocacy there is really important right now for pastors who are um, experiencing everything you guys have been talking about. Um, they don't have a lot of advocates uh, in their corner. Building those relationships with, with the pastors um, before they jump off, you know, and the, and the wheels fall off is, is really important. And so that's, that's a big piece for us as well. Sean? I, I think uh, what really hits home with, with me in this conversation is almost every conversation I'm having with pastors right now begins with, I don't know how much longer I can do this. And uh, so many pastors out there right now are tired, they're exhausted, not because of the work that they're doing, but because of the emotional atmosphere they're doing it in. And uh, being able to come alongside them and just say, you know what, you're not alone. Uh, there's lots of others experiencing this right now, and here's how we can get through this together. And I'm on your side. Um, and to have pastors hear somebody say, I'm on your side, 
is is almost heartbreaking um, for me to have to say that, uh, but for them to hear it, they receive it with such warmth and and uh, there's almost always tears in their eyes as as they hear that. So it's encouraging to me to be able to be in this this role right now uh, and be able to say to pastors, you're not alone. Well, this has been a fascinating discussion, uh, and just hearing your heart, it it encourages me. Um, One of the things that we don't get to do enough as a staff is is to be together like this face-to-face. But I hope for our listeners, too, you've been able to capture a sense of what God's put together and uh, how it is that that he's seeking to uh, work his will uh, in your lives uh, and your ministries and the things that, that you're doing. So I'd like to go around the circle one more time here, and this is the quick, I call this the, uh, you got five seconds left on the bus seat and you got to say something to somebody (laughs) that's going to change their lives. What do you want pastors to hear? Thank you, Pastor. What you're doing for the body of Christ is so important, and this is a really tough season to lead, and we really appreciate uh, that you're sticking with it, and uh, we're praying for you. May God help you. Sing to yourself the song you learned early on in Sunday school, Jesus loves me, this I know. Never forget that. I love the name of God, especially in the story of Hagar. Elroy, he sees us. We see you. God sees you. So when we say we see you, it's because we're reflecting the heart of God. I would just like the shepherds, both the men and the women, to know that you are not alone, that others are experiencing exactly what you're experiencing, and God is always with you. As uh, the Lord said to Joshua, be strong and courageous, I am with you. So, uh, so press on, you are not alone. I think what I'd like uh, pastors to hear is that at PIR, we provide a safe place for you to heal. And uh, we're all about creating that, that safety and that environment where you can be open and come out into the light and let your shame be healed. And Roy, I'm happy to be able to say this with you here present, but I say this often on this podcast, that the word I want to share with pastors is the word that you shared with me when I need it the most, which is simply, you are not alone, there is hope. And we pray that that's the message that the Lord is ministering to your heart. Uh, We are grateful for your service uh, to the Lord and thankful that we can serve you uh, in his name. May Christ strengthen you and remember our hope is in the Lord. PIR Ministries partners with God and the church in the work of pastoral renewal and restoration to cultivate new hope for healthy ministry lives. You can learn more about us at our webpage PIRministries.org or email us at info at PIRministries.org. Thanks for joining us for Hope Renewed, and remember the hope Christ offers will never put us to shame. Mm-hmm.